Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley. When we come back, Melissa Boggs, co-CEO, chief scrum master of Scrum Alliance, joining us to talk about all things Scrum and Agile, what's going on out in Denver, and a whole bunch of other awesome stuff. Can't wait to share this one with you all. We'll be right back. All right, we're back for just for a minute here before we get into the interview with Melissa. Just wanted to let everyone know about this really exciting thing, at least exciting to me. Todd Miller and I, we just went into beta uh, with Fixing Your Scrum, Practical Solutions to Common Scrum Problems. This is the book we've been working on for the past basically two years. It's published through the Pragmatic Bookshelf. We're really proud of where we're at. I'd love to get it in front of as many Agile for Humans listeners as possible. If you go to ryanripley.com forward slash scrum book. You can check out what we've been working on. If you're using Scrum, you're not getting the results perhaps you thought you should, maybe this book can help. I'd love for you to check it out. Leave me some notes on the blog site or on the book site. Let me know what you think, whether or not it's helping you. And uh, yeah, I would just love for everyone to, to check this out. So really excited. The book's in beta. It's Fixing Your Scrum, Practical Solutions to Common Scrum Problems. Uh, Todd Miller and I have co-authored it. We really have packed in over 20 years worth of just thoughts and experiences and practice with, practices with Scrum. We hope you find it useful. All right, enough of that. Let's get into the interview with Melissa. I had a blast with this. She's a dear friend. Can't wait for you to hear this one. Welcome to Agile for Humans. Our goal is to bring humanity back into the world of software delivery with agile values, principles, and practices. We gather top agilists from around the globe to share insights and help you grow as servant leaders in your organizations. We seek to open minds, change hearts, and deliver value into the world. Now here is our host, professional scrum trainer and agile practitioner, Ryan Ripley. All right, we are here. It's with Melissa Boggs. Melissa, we finally made this happen. It's been a long time coming, but uh, thanks for doing this. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I have been a long-time listener, and I think this now makes me a first-time caller. <laughs> I like it. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Super excited to have you. We had a blast in Vegas. I think it's uh, that's what really got us back on the schedule. We... Uh, 
we were all out for Techwell's Agile Dev West, and uh, finally got a chance to sit down, have a meal, have the spouses meet, everyone just kind of hang out. Chris Merriman, Kim Brainerd, a few others joined us. Man, that was a good dinner. It was some amazing steak. Very good steak. And uh, it was just a good chance to catch up. And it's like, wait a minute, why haven't we talked yet? After you've taken on this amazing role as I call it co-CEO, I hope that's right. But uh, really chief scrum master at Scrum Alliance and uh, really kind of leading the ship on or at least steering in, in so many interesting directions as far as community culture operations. It looks like you've taken on a lot of those things. What's going on there? Like, how has that been? And is it everything you wanted it to be and more? Oh, uh, you know, same old, same old. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, interestingly, this Thursday will mark six months for me at Scrum Alliance. I started January 4th, right after the new year. And I, I can safely say that at least internally, it is an entirely different organization at this point. Um, still amazing people, um, you know, the same people who were there, but we are just a very different organization. So, um, coming up now on about three months ago, mid April, we started our own agile transformation. And I kind of usually cringe at that word, if I'm being honest, because we've just, we've beaten transformation over and over and over over the last couple of years. But in this case, at Scrum Alliance, it is incredibly true. Um, so we have completely restructured into six community-centric, cross-functional teams. And keep in mind, this is not a software shop. While we do have software and we have software developers, these are teams that have marketing, IT, education, software development, support, all in, not all in one team, but you know, on each team we have representatives from those different skill sets that work together to serve their community. So you mean cross-functional teams could work? <laughs> well, we'll see, but yes, of course they can. No, that's awesome to hear. And, and maybe we should step back real quick. Uh, perhaps a lot of the listeners, they may not be aware. So, I mean, before taking this role, um, you were, and I'd, I'd assume you still are, a certified Scrum trainer through Scrum Alliance. So you were, you know, like me and many others out there teaching, I mean, of course, different organizations, but teaching the, the two-day training classes, um, Scrum Master, Product Owner, Leadership, all of those things, and now bringing those skills internal uh, to Scrum Alliance, to to what I've heard is great effect. Um, so just, I actually have to correct you, Ryan. Oh, please do. Um, but, but it's kind of a fun correction to make. So I am actually not a CST. I am a CEC, which oh, okay. is a certified coach, also CTC, Certified Team Coach. And so um, while I did teach many of those skills, I did it as a coach. and. Okay kind of in the weeds day to day with my clients for the last probably six or seven years at this point. Um, and it's funny that I say it was a fun correction to make because we've been talking a lot at Scrum Alliance about the power of pairing training and coaching and how the path to sustainable agility is com combining those two, right? Not just coming in and doing a class and then leaving, 
but coming in and doing a class and then either that same person or someone else that's kind of paired with them jumping in and being with those people through the hardest parts, you know, and we're in that right now. We are absolutely in what I, what I'd like to think. And I hope is the hardest part, which is just (laughs) learning how to be scrum teams. Um, and we actually have, in addition to me, we have three other certified enterprise coaches who have been uh, jumping in and just helping us walk through the the quicksand that is the early days of a transformation. Um, but yes, I have been deeply involved in the Agile community for probably about 10 years now and um, was very active as a coach, both as an internal coach in some cases and also consulting so, yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, thanks for that correction. I just, I'd always thought you were a trainer and I mean, I certainly have the skills of one. And so it's awesome to hear that you're a CEC and a CTC. Um, we'll link to that. If people are interested, there are certified enterprise coaching. Uh, there's a whole track through Scrum, Scrum Alliance. There's also a certified team coach uh, for people checking, looking to check out that path and that, that trajectory. It's really interesting stuff there. Um, I like the the word the the transformation discussion, right? And the pairing of coaching with, you know, whether it's training and coaching or or enterprise coaching with other coaches working with teams, and it's it, I've put a lot of time into the word transformation, and it bothers me too, right? Yep. It kind of assumes that there's an endpoint, right. right? And in this complex, crazy world, do we ever stop needing? to learn? Do we ever stop needing short feedback loops? Do we ever stop needing to reinvent ourselves over and over and over to stay relevant in the market? And and I like that, you know, others are, are kind of thinking, man, this word is really weird. But I think that pairing of coaching and training, and then having people, you know, pair up and help with the, the actual implementation, I think that kind of reinforces the idea that we're just never quite done. You know? Absolutely. I I try as much as I can, especially with our teams to talk about journey and not transformation. Um, On a quick but funny side note, I have this weird habit where I journal almost every conference that I go to. So I'll on the plane home, kind of try to dig back and remember each day and kind of what sessions I went to and the important conversations. And the other day, I just happened to be digging back through some of these in Google Docs. And I was having the same kind of conversation with myself about the word transition, mm. which is where we came from. Like five years ago, we were talking about agile transition. And so I was chuckling because a lot of the same things that I said to myself kind of in this journaling was the same thing I would say about transformation now. Like it's become a buzzword. It's become almost commoditized. And that's how we felt about transition, you know, five years ago. So it's just funny how some things actually don't ever change other than our understanding of them. Um, and yeah, to your point, I think if we really, if we really want to keep up, then it has to be a journey that we are on. And yes, there are milestones in the journey, certainly, and there are ways to think about the journey, but I can't imagine ever thinking that like I'm a fully agile human and I've been in this for, you know, a decade. And so as long as humans don't evolve fully to some, you know, higher level, then I think we're always going to be kind of going down this road and keeping up with not just technology, but kind of 
human evolution as well. Well, I think a lot of it just comes down to trying to be a better version of yourself, you know? And if we can just, and I think we get so wrapped, I shouldn't say we, I think I personally get so wrapped around the axle about, you know, how do I make these big jumps, these big leaps? And I think companies get wrapped around that too. And, and then, you know, as you noted, like not being that fully, you know, agile human and, and having just to remind yourself, if I just make a 1% gain each day, I do 1% better each day. By the end of a year, it's amazing, right? That it's incremental, it's compounding, it's, and I, I mean, it's one of those that even people like you and I who know better, I'd imagine we fall into this trap continually. Oh, for sure. I can tell you, you know, I had been kind of consulting, and even when I was an internal coach, um, still being an internal consultant and working with leaders for years. And I, (laughs) it's very different when you move from being the coach to being the leader. And I remember sitting with our three coaches on one of the hardest days very early on in this. And, you know, they're kind of saying like, well, you just got to do this or just got to do that. And I was like, guys, still a lot harder for me than it is for you. (laughs) You know, just, and it's not, woe is me, but just, it, yeah, I mean, we're going to fall back into bad habits and we're going to struggle with our own sense of control and ego. And, um, so it's, yeah, it's just very interesting to go from, from coaching to actually being in the fray and having your performance judged by the rest of the organization. And you looked at as the key holder to what's next it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> well, we talked a little bit about this in Vegas, but I think, um, I, I mean, when I heard, um, I might have heard through the grapevine before it became official, but when I heard that it was going to be you, I got I got excited. It was honestly a it's one of those where you're, you're, um, you're partnering crime, Howard Sublet, right? So the two of you are, are at the front, and Howard's very visible. I mean, they, they, that maybe there's a pun there because he came from big visible years ago, right? But he's very... Very visible guy in the community, um, does a lot of the conference work, does a lot of the keynotes, and he's doing these big, um, visible things. But when I heard uh, you were going to be that co-CEO, that, that co-pilot on this whole adventure, I thought, there's someone who's going to bring um, this human touch to this organization. And really, from an operational and from a just an agile perspective, is really going to dig in and kind of... and I mean, it, it was just super exciting. It's like, this is a person who's going to put soul into work. That's going to put humanity into work. And it was really great to hear that you're, you're on that track. You're doing these things. Um, and so I just, I mean, before we get too far, it's like, just congratulations. And I mean, just so you know, it was just huge news for, I mean, yes, I'm technically on the other side of the fence. I hope um, <laughs> with people like you and Howard and others, um, that fence gets lower and lower and shorter and shorter. Um, but it, it's one of those, it was just great to hear. And so, I mean, I, I should have said this at the top of the show, but congratulations and know that it was just really exciting to a wide band of people in the community to hear that you would actually, uh, be in this spot and really at that operational team, um, functional level. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it couldn't be more 
soulful work for me. It couldn't be more meaningful work because I have been aligned with, um, the scrum Alliance for 10 years. I mean, even before I was officially certified, you know, I was still going to user groups and I was still going to gatherings. And so it was really meaningful for me to kind of be part of this journey. And two things that you mentioned, first of all, I can't imagine doing this with anyone but Howard. Right. Right. And that's not, that's not, you know, lip service or smoke screen or just telling you, you know, the, the company line, but quite literally we could not be two more different people. And, um, yet we could not be more aligned on our values and truly leaning into those principles on a daily basis. So, you know, things like how we were going to restructure, I kind of dreamt it up a little bit on my own. And then I said, Hey, what do you think about this? And he was completely aligned. I mean, we absolutely challenge each other and he certainly asked me some questions, but at the end of the day, what I was doing was agile principle based. And so he was like, let's do it. You've got my full support. Let's roll together. Kind of our phrase right now, I'm going to give credit to Simon Oral, who's got kind of a English background. He lives in Canada now, but his family's from England. So he has these neat little phrases. So the crunchy bits are what we call it when it's, you know, kind of challenging. And, you know, Howard's been right there um, by my side, supporting, encouraging, uh, reinforcing the whole nine. And one thing that's really important for me, for people to understand is that we would never coach a leader to be agile for the sake of being agile. Right. I can't tell you how many I sat down with and they were coming up with some sort of like transformation plan and their goal was to be agile. And I would talk them through that. And I would say, that's not the point, right? The point is that you have business goals and you want to be the organization that can achieve those goals with the most human centric and customer centric perspective possible. And that same principle applies to us. I mean, we're not doing this. We're not changing our organization just to prove something, right? Just to check the boxes, but rather it's part of a much bigger plan around sustainable agility and how we can have a bigger, excuse me, have a bigger impact on the world. And, you know, Howard holds a lot of that vision. And so we're kind of like puzzle pieces where mine, my vision for how our organization is going to work in time is interlocked with his vision about how this organization is going to impact the world. Yeah. And that, that's a really fascinating setup. I mean, that's, uh, and it, as, as that unfolds and, and the two of you are doing that very transparently, um, you're both, you both do these regular Facebook live, um, these video shows you recently, I released a, um, you know, a blog post about the kind of the reorganization that you've been working. No, I shouldn't say reorg has a bad connotation. I think you've been doing more of the almost like teamification is kind of how it read just like putting people in new places and creating cross-functional teams and realigning to, you know, all good product owner stuff, right? It's, here's our vision, here's our mission. Now go forth and do awesome things within the boundaries we set. And it was a really good read. I'll link to all those things um, in the show notes. The transparency has been really fascinating to watch. It was that more of a, and it doesn't even feel, 
sometimes when companies or or groups go down that path, it's like, all right, this is kind of like marketing transparency. You know what I mean? It's all right, we're going to market it. But it just seems like you two are genuinely excited about the work you're doing. You're genuinely excited about the the mission and and um, you know the way things are going. And and those videos have been awesome. Is I mean, is that, I mean, do I have this right? Is it just, yeah, we're just going to talk about this thing and get this out there and get some feedback or, or am I missing the mark? Oh no, that's spot on. Um, it was actually one of the very first things that Howard and I agreed on when I started was that we wanted radical transparency and we're kind of borrowing that phrase from, um, a couple other places, but we, we know that there's there's a bit of a road to get there, right? Um, with the blogs, I had I had naively at the beginning said, "Oh yeah, we're going to do either a blog or a Facebook Live or something every week," and we were pretty consistent the first few weeks, and then we hit the actual toppling of the dominoes, and then you know, at least for me, it's been dead silent for probably eight weeks now, and I kind of acknowledge that in my blog. And there's, there's a couple pieces of that. Um, I can be transparent about myself all day long, right? And I'm a pretty open book, but I do have to consider the people who are in the middle of all of this, who, while we were getting signals that this is what they wanted, they didn't necessarily ask for this exactly. And so, you know, there's a lot of change. There's a lot of fear. All of the things that any organization goes through at the beginning, our folks are going through that at some level, you know, and of course it varies from person to person. And so just an interesting thing to confess, and I'll probably write about this a little bit later, is I found myself in the, the early weeks not wanting to talk about it. And it wasn't because I wasn't proud because I was super proud of them and proud of us like for our courage. But I didn't want to put the 45 other people in our organization in a position where they had to talk about it before they were ready. Mm-hmm. And so that was something I didn't count on. Um, before we quote unquote toppled the dominoes, you know, I was like, we're going to talk about it every week and it's going to be so exciting and people are going to be cheering for us. And I came to a place where I was like, I have to be really careful and protect these people. And frankly, that's when I felt like the most scrum master, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that like I needed to protect them in this kind of infancy time. And now we're coming to a place like when we went to the Austin scrum gathering, we were able to talk about it with the trainers and coaches. And we talked about it a little bit on the stage. And then that's when it felt like, okay, the door is starting to open and the staff feel comfortable you know, speaking to what it's been like and, you know, and I, we've told them and I think I'll continue to tell them it's okay if you tell people it's not perfect and it's a struggle because I think it's neat that we can be okay to be vulnerable about that too. So that other organizations know like, Hey, <laughs> it's not easy, but it's worth it. No. It, and it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch unfold too. And it's, um, I, even just that sense of um, that sense of vulnerability, that consideration of of the team, it sounds like a great scrum master moment. But I, even from a, a wider perspective, and I, I see this a lot. You know, I have a, a ton of respect for people that are in positions like yours. You know, whether it's on the Scrum.org side with like Dave West and Eric Nyberg and all of their great staff, or whether it's you and Howard and 
um, you know, or, or Ken Schwaber at the top, or you guys are all making decisions. And, and this is the part that I think a lot of people miss, even like trainers, that every decision you're all making, you're trying to improve the lives of not only the, we're not only trying to impact the world in a better way, we're not only trying to serve our clients and customers in a better way, but the trainers themselves have, they, I mean, they've staked their livelihood, their, their family's well-being, all of these things on the decisions made at your level. And so when you make a decision that, that could unilaterally change the way that trainers work or business models or, or their ability to, to find productive work, I mean, just the, the thought that has to go into that, the caring of others, I mean, it, it's really just a massive undertaking that, like I said, just I have a massive amount of respect for people who, you know, quick decisions are easy, but if we don't think through them, and if we don't, you know, really listen to others and find out what the pulse is of, a, of an organization, of a market, you know, of a product, man, it can really have such a negative impact on others. So you just tossed me like the best softball ever, because I haven't really talked yet about what our teams are focusing on. And so there, there are six teams, and each of them is focused on a specific for lack of a better word, I'll call it a community segment, um, which is something we have never done before. And so to describe, one of our teams is called the foundational team, quote unquote, and they're focused on people who have never heard of Scrum and never heard of Scrum Alliance all the way through what I would say was maybe the one or two year mark. Um, And that would include our certified Scrum master, certified Scrum product owner, but that is not all. They are focused on what do people need certification plus when they've never heard of it. So how do we kind of get them, you know, to understand it? But then also, what do you need when you're brand new? Um, When you don't know where to get plugged in, you don't know where to learn more, all of that. Um, The second team is our practitioner team. And you can think about this as being kind of the two to five year mark. And these are the folks that may have advanced CSM, advanced CSPO, or the CSP, but that's not all that we're focused on. Um, What else do they need? What do you need when you've kind of gone down the road a bit and maybe you're getting a little bit lonely or maybe you're getting a little bit burned out? Um, This team works with our user groups because those tend to be um, practitioners, or at least the leaders of them tend to be. Sure. And um, then the next team is our guides team. And this is the trainers and coaches, again, to include the certifications. But we want to provide benefit and, and service to any of the agile coaches, whether they're certified with us or not. And so what do coaches need? What do trainers need when they're in the trenches and, you know, they're trying to help others? Um, then we have a leaders team who, um, director level, kind of what are the leaders and the people who are making decisions about, you know, how agility is going to look in an, in an organization and also probably the ones who are hiring coaches and trainers. So what do they need? What do they need to know? What is going to make them feel comfortable to make those decisions? Then the gatherings team, which is fairly obvious, um, they are focused on the attendee of not just a global gathering, but our regional gatherings, um, some of the big 
conferences that we may sponsor, like a pretty, you know, uh, hefty sponsorship. And so therefore we're kind of part of that conference. And then our team member team, which is the team I am actually a part of. And this team is focused on the 45 to 50 people who work for us. And, you know, as that person, what do I need? And so each of these six teams obviously has a focus and they're also building what we're calling customer advisory teams. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Community advisory teams. So they are reaching out to you know people within their community segment. And those are the people we're going to call on to uh, attend our live sprint reviews when we get there. We're not quite there yet. Hmm. But you know, live sprint reviews or when we have some crazy idea and we need to bounce it off of you know someone in that community. And so they're going to be building, it'll take a little bit of time, but they'll be building these teams of probably 30, 35 people that they can kind of call upon so that we're not hitting, you know, the same five people and annoying them. And so everything that you just said, like that is our goal. Our goal is to be further plugged into those communities. And then as these teams mature, that those decisions don't reside only with Howard and me but they reside with the people who are talking to these communities every day. And so that, you know, these decisions are not made in a vacuum. Well, I mean, it, it just sounds like, again, you mentioned earlier that, you know, the, the proposal you came up with was agile values based. And this to me just sounds like the decentralization of decision-making, which is, I mean, that's really, that's a scrum play, right? You know, when it's a developer centric, in my opinion, or my view, it's very developer-centric with uh, the what and the how, and it decentralizes a lot of decision-making to the development team at a broader scope, maybe the scrum team as well. And, and it sounds like, again, you know, it's just one of those where we're just following these Agile and Scrum principles because maybe they could work, <laughs> you know? Crazy. Maybe. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like um, you're all definitely taking on, um, I think, a really fascinating alignment within the organization that really sounds, um, is, I mean, it really sounds like a lot of fun. What's next, right? I, I'm sure you're going to continue to build these things out, but like what is, and I, I'm not trying to get a competitive advantage. I'm not trying to get, get you to give away state secrets here, but it's really like, you know, as you think about moving an organization like this forward, as you think about opportunities and that, like, what do you think is, is part of the, the next phase of this, of this game as we, cause like you said, we are, you know, it's interesting that you have this kind of foundational focus of who's new, who needs help. Um, and maybe that group is still huge, or maybe that group is progressing as we get into this kind of late adoption. I don't know where people think we're at with, with Scrum especially, but we're certainly not at this uh, this new phase of it, right? It's almost, it's over 20 years old and been around for a while. And so what do you kind of see as like the next, the next big focus or the next big challenge that, that you're going to be looking at as this realignment and as, as this, um, teamification, you know, goes forward. So you're going to have to just have us on another six months or so. Okay. Um, but I'll say, um, I'm really excited to see how some of these groups are going to expand and how the services that we can provide to them are going to expand when you have, a team of people that is consistently focused on them, right? Um, when we first, when I first joined the organization, there was a lot of cross dependency. Things took a lot of time. Like if you wanted to get something through, 
you know, everyone knows this. First, it has to go to education and then marketing and then IT and like eventually, you know, months down the road, you get it out the door. And so then you had to make some really hard prioritization decisions about, well, do we focus on, you know, the advanced CSPO or do we focus on making this better for the trainers? And sometimes like in those early weeks, I would sit there with Howard and be like, this is a ridiculous decision to have to make. But we had to make it because we had so much cross-dependency. And so I, I'm looking forward to a time when these teams can just really grow um, in their kind of knowledge and their interaction and involvement with their communities. And then it's almost, I'm going to sound super cheesy, but kind of the sky's the limit, you know, in terms of how we can serve those communities in a much deeper way. Um, now in terms of overall vision, it's kind of Howard's area, but I can speak a little bit to, um, again, it's a, for us, it's about sustainable agility because we hear so often about leaders. I wrote about this in my blog a little bit who are frustrated because I spent all of this money on bringing in these trainers and coaches and, you know, six or nine months down the road, it's all fallen apart. Or maybe that leader didn't commit. So like we didn't get everything we expected out of it. And so just trying to really work at kind of all levels and all areas of the community to help us all better understand what sustainable agility looks like and how you compare training and coaching and kind of skilling up of, you know, the internal scrum masters and product owners to have one kind of cohesive uh, sustainability, if that makes sense. So I know that's one of Howard's passions right now is helping people to, to move that forward and understand it better. So we don't have so many failed transformations. I'm using air quotes right now. Right. Um, for, for us internally, I can tell you, um, this is even what's next in the short term, but I'm really excited that next week we are going to do our first hiring events. And so we need a, another product owner and a couple more scrum masters. And we're kind of taking a, uh, what's the word? Taking a cue from Menlo Innovations. And I'm going to plug them real quick. But if you haven't read the book Joy Inc. by Richard Sheridan, and you are an agilist, you should read it and it will change your life. So what they do is they bring in all of the candidates uh, you know, the top candidates at the same time. And they, they do some activities with them with the team that's hiring, which is what we're going to do next week, rather than, you know, sitting across from someone in some panel interview. Yeah. When I brought our team together last week, the, the folks that were going to participate, I asked them, how many times have you been in a class and especially a scrum class? And within the first like 20 minutes of some group activity, it was clear to you which one of the people at the table got it and were kind of the um, leaders of the table. And of course, everyone raised their hand, like literally everyone. And I said, how many times have you been in an interview? And an hour into it, you still don't know if the person across the table actually knows what they're talking about or if they're just reading back, you know, kind of parroting back what they think you want to hear. And so we're trying to circumvent that again, kind of in the steps of Menlo by, you know, doing some activities and just trying to kind of incorporate play into interviewing. Now, I don't mean that in like a frivolous kind of way, but learn a lot by, 
you know, working through some sort of fictional activity because it takes off the pressure. Like it's, there's some levity to it when you can kind of, um, talk about some, I don't know, planning a party or something, you know, something fictional. So those types of things, that's what's next, next week. But that is the type of thing that I want to do at Scrum Alliance that sets us apart from kind of your traditional normal. (laughs) We're going to own our weird and, you know, start looking at things differently and challenging doing things because that's the way they've always been done. Well, and, and I think steps like that can change a culture, right? And I'm not saying there's a bad culture already. I'm saying it's already a good culture and it's one that can just, that's how you turn culture up to 11, right? You just, you find those, those incremental improvements and you, um, it's like, how would I want to be hired? And I don't think if you were to ask the question, who's been through the normal, um, you know, answer the the same the same ten questions from four or five different people who were sent in to interview you. Um, and how many of you actually enjoyed that? And I doubt a single hand goes up, right? But everyone's been through it. Um, I think the interviews you hear about are the ones where, wow, they had me come in and do this really cool. Like I, when I was in a hiring position, um, I would actually have scrum masters come in and and do a daily scrum for a team that they could potentially be working with. Or and my favorite was to have them facilitate a retrospective. And if they start with the plus minus delta or what went well, what didn't, what could be better, I'd say, that's awesome, but do you know another? And if you don't, then I'm going to pair with them and see, now can, and now are they coachable? Because don't, you don't have to know everything if you're coachable, right? And it's just really, and people walked away, even when they didn't get the job, they enjoyed the process. And I think that's truly a sign of, plus we also gave them a growth path. Like, hey, I think these books could be helpful. I think this meetup would be interesting. And I think when you see it as, I think this is why I really love your involvement in these things, because I think you take this really long-term look at, at, at culture and at community. And, I mean, what if that person comes back two years later a thousand percent better and still remembers how they were treated as if you still cared about their future and they, they, all they wanted to do was come back and work for you? Now you're attracting the best and brightest, not only now, but in the future. And it's a really different kind of play. I think that's really, an, and maybe I've taken this too far, but I mean, it's, I think those kind of plays in the hiring space are absolutely fascinating. 100%. And now I'm going to steal your idea about having them facilitate a daily scrum. When our scrum masters. Sure. Um, I do have to give a shout out to Zach Boniker because I actually attended his session on Agile HR that was at our scrum gathering in Austin. And he kind of gave me, I don't even know if he knows this, but he kind of gave me an additional idea um, that we're doing with both our product owners and our scrum masters, which is that in the afternoon, um, our existing product owners and or scrum masters will sit down with them and just do a lean coffee. Nice. And I've coached both our existing POs and the candidates that are coming in. Like, this is not the interview part. This is just a bunch of product owners sitting around talking about product ownership. Yep. And what I want to see out of it is, you know, obviously you'll learn a thing or two about people by the topics they propose and, you know, what they say about those topics. But also, we also have a concept of chapters. Um, 
so you have your community team, but then once a week, you know, all of the product owners get together, all the scrum masters, kind of a community of practice type of thing. And I told them, I said, these are going to be the people in your chapter. You know, whoever we hire is going to be in your chapter. So are these people that you can learn from? Are these people that you feel like can learn from you? Um, you know, a couple of our product owners are brand new at being product owners. They've heard about it for years. They may have done it part time, but like this is their first time being a full time product owner. So there's a chance that the people that we bring in are actually more experienced at being product owners, but they're not more experienced at being Scrum Alliance. And so, you know, being able to tell them, like, sit around this table and just see what it feels like and see what it is that comes up and what you talk about. So I'm, you know, I'm excited to see how that goes. And I did glean a little bit of that from Zach. So, um, shout out to him for that. I, I'm really excited to see what this can do because as you mentioned, this isn't just about this couple of hours next week. Um, you know, this is about the people that we don't hire having a great experience. Um, another thing Zach said that has stuck with me so much was, what if your recruiting process was your greatest hire? Oh, I just messed it up. What if your hiring process was your greatest recruiting tool? Hmm. You know, I want people to leave and even if they don't get the job to go back and tell other people about it because it was such a human experience. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for that. And, and that's just an, one example of, you know, the different things that we want to do that are just very human based and bring out the best in people, not the worst, um, you know, not making them feel less than or like they are kind of under some sort of rule or pressure that they can be the best they can be, whether they work for us or a candidate or a vendor or the competition. <laughs> you know, that's what we want. <laughs> oh, the competition. No, I, I think it's it's really cool stuff. The Zach is a, a an alumni of Agile for Humans. The listeners all know and love Zach, and and of course, if you see Zach at a conference or just out eating tacos, which he's you know he's often likely to do, uh, be sure to give him a hug. You know, last time he was on, he made it clear he loves it when listeners give him a hug and say hello. Um, but yeah, Zach in this, he's really been knocking out this uh, HR hiring kind of space and. Cool. Any any idea you can steal from Zach? I mean, that's a that's a good that's a good lift, you know. And it. Uh, I'd imagine you're gonna. I'd imagine you're gonna put uh, your own special twist on this, and it will end up being, like, you know, just a good experience for the candidate. Um, let's face it. Let's pretend like you and I could sit down and write the ten best questions ever to ask a candidate. The second we go through this once or twice with a few people, they're going to end up on Glassdoor and people are going to show, they're going to show up prepped anyways, right? And so those questions are good for about a minute, but then we still have to figure out, can these people actually do real things? And often, as sometimes you just don't know until you try. So I, I really, really like that a lot. Well, and, you know, you can probably tell, but for me right now, like, culture is king. And one of the things that Richard Sheridan talks about in his book is the reason they do this is they're looking for kindergarten skills. And so I asked my folks, I said, you know, what does that mean to you? What does kindergarten skills mean to you? And, you know, things like sharing and caring and um, kind of patience and 
curiosity. That one came up a lot, curiosity. And so those are the types of people. I mean, yes, skills are incredibly important, but especially for where we are in our journey, you know, the most important thing to me is that you can take those skills and be a good human being and have those kindergarten skills. Well, we talked about this, uh, I think, quite a bit at dinner um, in Vegas where, I mean, if you take a group of kindergartners and you just watch them, like I've actually learned so much watching my kids at a playground um, or watching my kids go through kindergarten because it, that sounded weird. My kids are at the playground too. I'm not just sitting around watching kids at a playground, right? My kids are there playing too. And uh, it's one of those where if you, if you watch closely enough, you'll see that they self-organize so naturally, right? They, they get together. I mean, there's a few times where you got to kind of interject and, all right, quit, you know, quit being mean. But most often, more often than not, they figure out a game, they start playing. There's no, like, I mean, they're inclusive. They, they share pretty well for the, on the average. And I mean, and they just, they just want to play the game, right? And they make decisions without fear. Yes. So that's a, such a great ad. Yeah, they make decisions without looking around and going like, oh, who, who do I need to make sure this is okay with? Yeah. And you know, yeah. that one, that one's the one that, I mean, I, I own that myself. Like I look around and go, who do I need to okay this with? Oh, I'm the co-CEO. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we are kind of conditioned through, you know, school and college that like there's, you know, I don't know, you need to make sure it's okay with everyone or, or with a specific someone. And the, and the kids are just like, now nah, let's just try it. If it doesn't work, we'll do something else. How agile is that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a fun thing to watch. And if you can bring that sense of, it's like a curiosity. Um, it's a sense of, they're just, something snaps in us at a certain age, I guess, but they're still curious. They're still just seeking to, to have fun and do cool things. And, and maybe, maybe they don't have a mortgage. Maybe that changes the mindset a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. It's just fun to watch how... And I like that fearless decision-making. I'm going to steal that one from you. Just that whole idea of, yeah, we're going to do this. If it doesn't work out, we'll try something different. I mean, we tell our clients this all the time, right? We're going to do a small experiment. We're going we're gonna to get something in front of customers. If they don't like it, we'll get good feedback. We'll shift. But how many times in our own lives is it like, I, I don't know if I really want to make this decision without the certainty that comes, that, that, uh, that illusion of certainty that comes from uh, getting the, the approval of 10 other people. And it, it's, it's that fully agile human being. I like the way that you put that because it's just so impossibly hard, if not just impossible to get there. And, and all we can strive to do is just a little bit better. This is true confessions again for Melissa, but my husband would laugh to hear me say like decision without fear because, you know, I've gotten fairly good at doing that professionally because I'm an agilist. I'm not just, um, you know, kind of the self-confidence and the, and the confidence it takes to make some of those decisions without fear is actually something I have grown into because of my work in the agile space. Yeah. Um, my personality type, which is actually INFJ, historically is like very hard on themselves. And 
I have had to learn not to do that to myself in order to survive in doing this work. Um, but personally I am still like, I still struggle with things like buying a new car or when we were buying our house here in Denver and I'm, I'm the guy or gal who will write like pages of pros and cons. And so my husband finds it so fascinating and humorous that I am kind of the exact opposite of that professionally because I've had to be. And obviously I've coached other people through that too. And so it's just kind of funny. Like I'm not obviously not that fully agile human being yet because it hasn't quite crept into my personal life. And gosh, my husband is looking forward to that day because (laughs) he has to watch a lot of this like debate and going back and forth. Maybe, no, maybe this way. So just funny. Oh, I, I think the, the two of you are, are wonderfully perfect together. It was very, it was a lot of fun having, you know, you guys meet Kristen. It was fun meeting Wendell. And yeah, I just, you can definitely tell great, great matches all around. So I'm sure he would laugh, but in a supportive way. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, since we are Agilists and since we are trying to be better Agile human beings or better at being Agile as human beings or Maybe, I don't know, one of those things is what we're striving for. We're about to hit our time box. I knew you were going to say that, Ryan. You're being a very good scrum master of this podcast right now. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That is very high praise from uh, the co-CEO of Scrum Alliance, so I will take it. Um, But I'll tell you what, this part of the show, it's all about you and anything that you would like to get in front of the listeners, anything you'd like to promote anything you'd like to plug, anything that you want people to really, I mean, we've talked quite a bit about the inside baseball, a little bit of Scrum Alliance and some of the things that we've been thinking about, but Joy Inc., I think, is an important plug. I hope people check that one out. But um, anything you want to share, anything you want to get in front of the listeners, uh, the floor is yours. Oh, wow. Um, you know, at the Scrum Alliance gather, the Scrum Gathering in Austin, I stood in front of 1,500 people and I said, if there's nothing else that I could tell you about my earliest days as an Agilist, it's that it can be lonely. And so I encouraged all of those people to find their local user group and get plugged in to other people who are doing the same thing that you're doing, whether that's Scrum Mastery or product ownership or you know the development team. And so... I'll plug that, which is very general, but I would say find your local user group. If, if you're listening to this and you just feel like, gosh, nobody understands, like nobody understands what I want from this. Nobody understands what I'm doing. It's a weird, weird world that we have created for ourselves. Um, and then the other one I would plug is our global scrum gathering in Vienna. Um, it's our European gathering is in October. So, Um, definitely check that out because it's going to be really neat to be in Vienna, Austria, talking about Scrum and Agile things. Um, And last, just um, kind of referred to it, Ryan, but um, Scrum Alliance Unscripted is the place where Howard and I are kind of housing all of our inside baseball scoop. Um, So there's blogs, there's Facebook Live. Um, Anytime that any of us either of us are on another podcast. Um, we try to link it there. So this one will be there as well. Awesome. Um, but if you're interested in what's going on with us, um, Scrum Alliance Unscripted is a good place to start. You know, I kind of like the sound of Vienna in October. 
Hey. Now is like a, a scrum.org guy like me allowed to show up at a scrum gathering? Of course, Ryan. Okay. We, we did talk about this quite a bit and we're at our time box, but um, yes, all are welcome because <laughs> a rising tide lifts all ships. I could not agree more. That's a, and I think that's a great place to stop. So Melissa, um, you know, just keep being awesome. Keep doing the awesome things you're doing at Scrum Alliance and, and thanks for sharing these things and thanks for your friendship and just awesome to, uh, to get to catch up yet again. I hope we get more opportunities, maybe in Vienna, maybe I'll bring Kristen and we'll, we'll hang out, uh, in Austria together. That would be fun. Uh, but I hope we get more of these opportunities and you're always welcome back on the show to tell us about awesome and exciting things going on, not just with Scrum Alliance, but with you. Um, maybe next time we'll talk about your speaking uh, engagements. And I really wanted to get to how um, being busy is not a status symbol. Maybe we'll get to that next time. Exhaustion is not a status ah, symbol. Yep. Shout out Brene Brown on that one. There um, yes, I would love that. So and thank you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll just say thank you. Um, we talked about this in Vegas, but I'm just so appreciative of of your perspective. And, you know, we joke about competition, but I think we both believe that a rising tide does lift all ships. And so your friendship means a lot to me. Likewise. And I couldn't agree more. And I can't wait to see if, you know, what the future brings and whether or not there's even opportunities to figure out fun ways to play together, but in, in meaningful, not trivial ways, as you noted. So I'll tell you what, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, Agile for Humans listeners, be sure to check out uh, what Melissa's up to with Scrum Alliance. We'll get a lot of the uh, the links to books and podcasts and all those notes that she left uh, into the show notes. So if you want to follow up with her and check those things out. Melissa, is it okay if they tweet you? Of course. Is it at Melissa Boggs, I think? It's not. Oh, no. Not it's actually um, at Hummingbird Agility. So it's at H-M-N-G-B-I-R-D Agility. Very good. So we'll, make sure, we'll make sure that's linked. And uh, please do check out what she's been up to. The uh, Just the, the blogs, the videos, all that stuff has been fun to watch and read and check out. As for me, your host, Ryan Ripley... Um, Check out the show notes if you want to see where I'll be at next or an opportunity to catch me at a conference. Um, the last time I was out and about in the world, especially actually Vegas, I think was the last conference I was at. Is that true? I think it is. That and Agile and Beyond and Agile Indy. A lot of listeners came up and said hello. I really appreciated it. It's awesome to come up and say hi. Don't forget to give Zach Boniker his hugs when you see him at events. He loves that as well. Um, but yeah, let's leave it there. I'm not going to do any more shameless plugs. We're just going to leave it here. Melissa, thank you so much. It was great catching up. To the listeners out there, the numbers, the downloads, that keep going up. We're passing some major milestones soon. Thank you. That means you're sharing the show. That's an awesome, awesome way to show that you love it. Um, but otherwise, let's end it here. We'll be back next week with more uh, awesomeness from Agile for Humans. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on!